0: You are listening to Agent Court Church's audio podcast. For more information on Agent Court Church, including service times, how to connect, and campus locations, please visit our website at onechurch.to. Every uh, one of us in this room already does anger a certain way. Uh, sometimes it's because of the way we grew up, uh, the home we grew up in, it's the way we saw anger done, but some, some lash out in anger. And then there are those that internalize the anger, and then it sort of comes out inappropriately on another occasion. And then there's a third way to do anger. It's the one we're gonna focus on today, and that is clean anger. Doing anger the way that Jesus did it. Now, so when we look at this series, and Pastor Jonathan uh, chose a wonderful book to just help us get more out of this series, But Goliath must fall, and so this week, anger must fall. But when we're talking about anger falling, let me be clear, we're not talking about clean anger falling. See, it's all right to do anger. But it's not good, not healthy for us or other people to do contaminated anger. We're going to make that distinction today. Uh, Clean anger. You say, what is that? I'm glad you asked. Clean anger, well, anger is an emotion, right? Happiness is an emotion. Sadness is an emotion. Anger is an emotion. And don't miss what a privilege to have this seminar tonight fit so well into this series to have an expert speak to us on emotional resilience from his research and study. What a what an opportunity uh, for every one of us be, be here tonight for that. But the 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 you know if someone experiences a positive event in their life. They are sad or happy. They're happy. It's, it's, the, it's the appropriate, healthy response to a positive occasion. Now, if someone experiences loss or tragedy or is caring for someone who has experienced that, you're not happy, you are sad. That's the appropriate, healthy response to that kind of situation. Now, Anger is the appropriate healthy response to uh, abuse, to evil, uh, to injustice. When we see that, happen, it's, just, it's the right response. That's why when Paul wrote the Christians in Ephesus, he said this to them. He said, in your anger, in other words, you're going to be angry, but when you're angry, do not sin. You see, to be angry is one thing. It's so easy to slip over into contaminated anger from from clean anger. And so, uh, in the David and Goliath story, you've got three people doing anger, all right? One lashes out. He boasts about himself. He lashes out. His name is? Little hint for you. The other one, lesser known in the story... He's David's big brother. His name is Eliab. He internalizes anger until it spills out at an inappropriate occasion. And then there's David who does clean anger. Now, we need to be clear about David. David we've seen already through the introductory video, and Pastor Jonathan's already explained it, how just like David acted on behalf of the Old Testament people of God, and his His defeat of the giant brought victory for God's people in old covenant times. So Jesus is our representative. And when Jesus died on the cross, how many are thankful? He brought victory over death and sin for every one of us. He's our representative that won the victory. But uh, David also messed up a lot in his life. He didn't get things right. And so uh, he illustrates Jesus as our deliverer. But David also has a lot to teach us about doing anger. Doing clean anger and staying away from contaminated anger. So we're going to learn a lot from, from David today. But let's look at, first of all, Goliath and Eliab and then David. All right, Goliath does anger by what? He lashes out. He just lets people have it. It's part of his persona. He, he, his, his anger is contaminated by pride by his ego he's defiant of god and the people of god he just speaks his mind he ventilates his anger he shouts he screams he yells he even curses David by his gods. He just lets out all of the anger. Goliath sort of reminds me of this new boss who had just uh, taken over this company as the CEO, and and he's doing the rounds, and he walks into the service department, and he sees somebody leaning up against the wall, texting on his phone, and he thinks, "I better. My first day as the new boss. I am just going to set." you know, a a new agenda for this company. And so he said, I don't know who you are, but he said, are we paying you to to hold up the wall? You get out of here. And the guy tried to explain a little bit, and the guy just reached in, the new boss reached in his wallet. He pulled out a hundred, counted at a hundred dollars. He says, here, take this and get out of here. You're fired. So the guy shrugged his shoulders and he he, he left, and then the new boss looked around at the counter and all the other employees, and he said, well, what, what was that guy's name anyway? And they said, we don't know. He was just here to deliver pizza. <laughs> How many know when you lash out, it can be costly? <laughs> when you just let it go without even knowing what the issues are, it can be so costly. You know, sort of a sad story, but there was a, a survey done of elementary school-aged children and they were asked, if you could change one thing about your parents, what would it be? Do you know what the number one response was? I wish mom or dad, depending who they were talking about, didn't yell at me so much. You know, it's interesting that in that same letter to the Ephesian Christians, Paul writes, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. Do not, do not let them to learn to do lash out anger, contaminated anger. Now. The reality is, though, in the 70s and 80s, we were told if you went for counseling for anger issues, you would have been told, just let it out. Ventilate it. Let off steam. Just just express that anger. Get it out. And there were some workplaces, if you can believe this, that actually had soundproof rooms where employees could go in and just let out that primordial, just scream at us, yell out, get out their anger. Others had rooms where you could go in and put on boxing gloves and just take out your anger. Until, until research discovered that all you are doing when you lash out and express anger is you are reinforcing that anger. You're actually escalating the anger. Because when you're telling yourself, this anger can just go out of control, guess where it goes? Out of control. Three thousand years ago David's son Solomon had written these words about anger. Proverbs fourteen twenty nine. People with understanding, listen, control their anger. A hot temper shows great foolishness. Here's another one, Proverbs thirty thirty three, for as churning cream produces butter, and as twisting the nose produces blood. I wonder how they found that out. So stirring up anger produces strife. Proverbs 29, 11, fools vent their anger, but the wise quietly hold it back. Now, listen to, to James 1 in the New Testament. It says, be quick to, listen, slow to, and say it with me, slow to become angry. Slow to become angry. So some lash out like Goliath, others internalize their anger. Have you ever been around someone that internalizes anger? Scary. (laughs) You just don't know when it's going to spill out and get you. David shows up at the battlefield to deliver pizza, well, cheese and bread, to his brothers from his dad. And Eliab just spills over, just out of the blue. I mean, David asks, about what Goliath is lashing out about, and Eliab just spills over. He just lets David have it. Let let me me read it. It's 1 Samuel uh, 17, 28. When Eliab, David's oldest brother, heard David speaking with the men, listen to this, he burned with anger at him, and asked, why have you come down here? And with whom did you leave those few sheep in the wilderness? Listen to this. Listen to how he attacks his character. He doesn't know what's going on in David's heart, but he says, I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. You came down here only to watch the battle. Well, good morning to you too, bro. And you're welcome for bringing you pizza, you know. I mean this sounds like something that would come out of Washington in the middle of the night being through tweets. You know what I'm saying? This is just this just this just this, 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 this. listen and listen, I, I, somebody needs to say this, whatever our political views are, and I'm not here to talk about political views and decisions, but I am here to talk about the way we treat people. And God help us to discuss issues and not attack people. And I think our children, our young adults need to hear that sometimes political leaders are not the go to place to look at when you want to learn how to do anger appropriately. And, 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 and it's good for us to understand that, that that to attack a person is not dealing with the issues. And that's exactly what Eliab does here. It just spills over. Where did this come from? Something was internalized in Eliab that just spilled over when David showed up. But all you have to do is look under the hood for Eliab. Think back. Remember when the prophet Samuel went over to uh, the house of David and Eliab's dad, Jesse, eight sons, because Samuel said one of them is designated by God as the future king of Israel. And so he uh, parades out his sons, and the first one in line is the oldest son, as it should be. And there's Eliab, and does he ever look the part? Contest over right now. Eliab has the appearance. And that's where that wonderful verse is that we know, because God speaks to prophet Samuel's heart and says, man looks on the outward appearance, God looks on the heart. And as it turns out, there was stuff happening in Eliab's heart that he was not ready to handle power and authority. And uh, David gets chosen, but it's like Eliab, he had anger that was contaminated with jealousy. Because his brother got the job that he felt should be coming to him. James says, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You want something and you don't get it. That's Eliab. He wanted that and he didn't get it. All right, so you've got Goliath who does anger by lashing out. You've got uh, Eliab who does anger by internalizing it and then letting it spill out. And then you've got David who shows us how to do clean anger. Clean anger. Now, listen, we're not going to get anywhere. You're not going to change at all in 2018 the way you do anger unless you realize that you're not a victim. You're not helpless when it comes to anger. You can change the way that you do anger. (laughs) Matter of fact, you know what I do in between series? Ten years ago, we did a two-week series on anger, and one was five myths or falsehoods about anger. And when I pulled out the file, this note slipped out. Because I don't know how many were with us 10 years ago, but we had this expression for those two weeks because we wanted to take responsibility for changing the way we did anger. And the expression was, I make me so angry. You know, so, so this, this spilled out. It said, Dear Pastor Smith, you would be very proud of me After learning on Sunday morning that I make myself angry, I promised myself that I would better assess the situations that upset me and try to control myself. So, Monday morning when the dog threw up on my new suede sofa that he's not allowed on, as I was cleaning it, there you were in my mind with those now famous words, I make myself angry. You'll be happy to know that I remain calm, but I would like now to get rid of the dog. (laughs) You and I will never do clean anger until we accept responsibility for our anger. That we can't blame it on external things that happen, and we can't blame it on other people. We just we just won't change to be doing. So let's let's just sort of establish that. You know, for instance, I'm wearing slip-ons this morning, I guess. But let's say I had those shoes that you tie up. All right. How many know that when you're in a hurry, that's when you break the lace, right? That's just, you know, just you're stressed and you reach over and you're, if I go, I break the laces, I'm trying to tie it and I'm in a hurry, and if I say, stupid shoelace, you make me so angry, poor little shoelace, you know, like, it's. A... or, listen, you're on a deadline for a school assignment, or you're right in the middle of something at work, and you get hit with a fit of inspiration, the words are coming together, and, and then the computer freezes. Oh, No! You know, and uh, you you say some choice words maybe at that moment, but but you know, can you say that computer is making me angry? Or what if it's people? What if it's people? Dr. Van was in the first service, it was very easy to pick on him. <laughs> Pastor John's away on a missions trip. Can't pick on him. Hi, Esther. No, <laughs> 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 so Let's say someone's always late. How do you handle that? Let's say, let's say you're going down, you're driving down the Don Valley parking lot, hardly moving, and someone just cuts you right off and you jam on the brakes. You stupid. You know Are they making you uh, By the way, I have a wonderful line for that. Do you know what it is? Easy. That might be somebody from the church. Anyway, uh, <laughs> you say, Pastor, we'd never cut you off. You'd be surprised. Anyway, um, can I say that person that's driving that car over there has come over here and made me get angry? No, it doesn't. The only person that can make me angry is me. Say it with me. I make me so angry. Say it. I make me so angry. That's how it happens. We're not going to get anywhere until we say, do you know what? I, I can make myself angry. I have a choice here. I'm not a victim. I am not helpless. I can change this. How many want to go into 2018 saying, God, I want to do clean anger, not contaminated anger? Amen? I want to, now listen, I, I, I want to make sure that, that everyone in the room knows, before we jump into three paragraphs from Romans 12, I want to make sure everyone knows, listen, we all struggle in different areas. We're all at different stages. You may have had a fight with the, 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 your, your spouse on the way into church today because of anger, you know? How many had that happen? Please raise your hand. You know, like <laughs> Esther and I drive, drive in separate cars. No, because <laughs> <laughs> I'm here early. But, uh, but, you know, I'm just trying to just help us relax. How many? No, in this room, we want the Holy Spirit to change our lives. Amen? Take us from where we are to where we can be. None of us will ever do anger as perfectly as Jesus did it. Let's just establish it. But how many want to learn to do anger more and more like Jesus? Amen? All right, three paragraphs in Romans 12 that will help us here. Let's just read the first paragraph. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but say it aloud together with me. Keep your spiritual fervor. Serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope. What happens when you get ticked off? You're afflicted? Patient in affliction. Faithful in prayer. This gives us what we need before something happens or somebody frustrates us. This gives us what we need. Now, keep your spiritual fervor. Do you know how one translation says that? Be on fire with your spirit. So, so I'm calling this first point, keep your spirit on fire. Now, little language lesson. You know how the New Testament was written in the language of Greek? The same word for fervor, keep your spiritual fervor, that same root word means to Boil. Boil. One translation actually says it this way, paraphrases it this way. Keep your spirit at boiling point. Keep your spirit at boiling point. How many know what happens when uh, water is boiled? Every time I go on on a canoe trip into northern Ontario, I can take water from the lake, but before it is safe to drink, I have to get rid of the contaminants. How do I do that? I do that by... Boiling the water. And when I boil the water for a sufficient period of time, it kills the contaminants. And only the good stuff remains. And that, that that's the best place for you and I to start if we want to make a change in the anger department of our lives. To keep our spirit on fire. To keep ourselves just... I'm in love with Jesus. That's why your daily times with God are so important. It just keeps your... Your spirit on fire. And, uh, and, and love remains in the container. The contaminants boil off, but he says cling to good. Devoted and honor one another. Your, 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 your focus is on others in your life. Patient in affliction. You don't get, you know, lash out or spill over when you're angry. No, you're patient in affliction because you're faithful in prayer. You've got this relationship with God that uh, Pastor Richard was talking about in in, in worship. And something just happens in your spirit. You're keeping your spirit on fire during that time. Now, someone always asks, how did Jesus do clean anger? I mean, or else they say, Jesus got angry as if that justifies anger in our lives. But, you know, it's interesting if you look closely in the Gospels, and I've gone through all of them specifically looking for what what uh, was an occasion where Jesus expressed anger. It's interesting that it wasn't the treatment of him or words that were said against him that caused Jesus to get angry. Have you ever noticed that? Listen, you can't imagine doing something worse to someone who is innocent than for them to be put through the most torturous uh, physical pain that the Romans before them, another group of uh, torture gurus, thought of than the, the slow death on a Roman crucifixion device called a cross. You couldn't get anything more painful. What does Jesus do? Well, he is innocent and our sins are coming upon him. What is Jesus doing? How many know? All he's concerned about are the others, the others, his relationship with God, Father. And then he says, forgive them, for they know not what they do. John, here's your mom. Take care of mom for me. Like, he, all he cares about. Is, he's, he's got every reason to lash out. He is innocent. They are guilty. And then look at the times where things were said against Jesus. He was insulted. One time he was called the devil. Jesus was so misrepresented. He experienced so many false accusations and false accusations. Just so, you just want to defend yourself. But what did Jesus do? He just he opened not his mouth. He did not retaliate. What may what what was an occasion where Jesus expressed anger? Do you know what it was? If you go through, the only times you see Jesus angry was when it concerned an injustice. Or a hurt or abuse of someone else. Watch this. Remember, he cleared the temple? Oh, yeah, Jesus got angry. It's all right to get angry and throw things around. Jesus cleared the temple. Hold on, hold her newt. It's from the Greek. When Jesus cleared the temple, he explains why. He says, Here's the issue, guys. This temple was designed as a place for people to come unobstructed and have access to the living God. They were charging, charging, just criminal prices for sacrifices, so that people—they had them. You know, if you want to worship God, you got to pay this. And Jesus said, "This place was designed to be a place of prayer for everybody from all nations. You've turned it into a den of thieves." How I many know Jesus was setting the record straight? He was opening up a place that was designed to meet with God for people to fulfill that purpose. What else made Jesus angry? He didn't, nothing made him, okay. You didn't hear me say that. I was just seeing if you were listening anyway. You're listening in the balcony? Jesus one day healed a man, but it took place on what day of the week? The Sabbath. And the Pharisees said, no. You don't heal on the Sabbath. And Jesus said, look at you got this backwards. God made Sabbath for you, not for you to come up with rules and regulations about how you impose on everybody else how they do the Sabbath. It made Jesus angry when people are, are, are kept from God or kept from healing because we have our own traditions or preferences and, and, and we, we lose sight of what we're really here for. Same, same thing happened when, remember, you can just hear it in Jesus. He said, you know, those children, about abusive children, he just, he's so strong, he said, be better off if that person never had lived the millstone put around their neck and drowned in the bottom of the sea than for them to harm one of these little ones. It was always about other people. It was never about selfishness or jealousy or or any other contaminant. All of those were always gone. How many say with me this morning, Lord, in 2018, make me more like Jesus. Amen? I wanna, I want it not to be about me, anger to be about me, but... But the anger that I have is clean because it's always about what's best for others. It's not about me. You know, I, I use this as an illustration. But, you know, what happens, when, what happens when I go like this? When this gets hit, guess what came out? You hope it was water, right? <laughs> All that came out well, is what was already in there. Listen, when you're hit by something this week, you know what's going to spill out of you? What was already in there. How many see why it's so important to keep your spirit on fire? (laughs) To get those contaminants just boiled off so that when you're hit by something in life, contaminated anger doesn't come out, but Jesus spills out of you. Amen? I mean, none of us are there yet, but but that's where we're going. Amen? 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 All right. Second paragraph that Paul wrote the Christians in Rome. He said, Bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn. Notice the emotions here happy, sadness, okay? Happy, sad, appropriate emotions. And then he goes on, he says, Live in harmony with one another. It's about others. Don't be proud. That was Goliath's problem. Be willing to associate with people of low position. Don't be conceited. That was Eliab's problem. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. Do not be overcome by evil, but, say it with me, overcome evil with good. All right. You know how I put all that into a point? It's basically this. Respond with clean words and actions. A clean heart will speak what kind of words? Clean words, not contaminated words. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so we start with our heart. We're not there yet, but every day this year, we can say, Jesus, help me do, do anger in a way that is clean and not contaminated. And so that means we respond with clean. It's so interesting to see how David responds to Goliath. Remember we talked about when your angry was... Someone, you stick to the issues, you don't attack the person. Interesting to see how that's exactly what David does, even with Goliath. He says, blah, blah, blaspheme, you know. You're blaspheming the living God, and you're defying the armies of the living God. Those are the two issues, and that's why you're coming down. He doesn't answer back the insult. He's being insulted. He's being attacked by Goliath. And he just answers back, he says, these are the two reasons you're coming out. Same with Eliab. Watch what he does with Eliab. Eliab attacks him, you know, you're just conceited in your heart. And you're, he accuses David of the very things that he has going on in his own heart, it's transference. But listen to how David responds, he, he, he says two things back to his big brother, when his brother attacks his character. He says, he says, basically, what am I doing wrong? Can't I even speak? Watch this. If there's something wrong with my actions, tell me what it is. What's the issue? If there's something wrong with what I'm saying, tell me what the issue is. I just love that about David. He sticks to the issues. He, he, he doesn't go into that contaminated place. He just stays with clean words and actions. And then, you know what I found out? It's so instructive to see David when he becomes king. How many know when some people become king, big brother that insulted me better watch out. Not David. Now listen, if you keep reading in the Bible, you will come to 1 Chronicles 17, where it, or 12 I should say, and it says that David made Eliab one of his army leaders. Wow. Is he returning insult for insult, or is he overcoming evil with? And then you keep reading 1 Chronicles 27. Eliab is made leader of the entire tribe of Judah. David, however someone treated him, he responded back with clean words and actions. Proverbs 14.1 says, A gentle answer turns away wrath but a harsh, words, harsh word stirs up anger. David didn't escalate the anger because he kept his own spirit on fire and he, 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 he responded with, with words and actions that were clean. You know, James says, slow to become angry. Has that ever helped me a lot? I've been thinking about that. Esther, I won't ask you publicly if you've noticed a difference since that Feisty Irishman, married a spontaneous Italian. Spontaneous combustion Italian. No, I spontaneous Italian. Uh, but, but, but I hope, I hope that, you know, because we need to be real about this. Starting with those that are closest to us, just slow to become angry. But think of a lot, just, just, just hold off, slow to become angry. I don't have to jump in. I can just slow this whole thing down. And then sometimes when we respond and we say what we think should be said, sometimes issues still are not resolved because it takes two to resolve an issue. And that brings us to Romans 12:19. It says this, do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for... How many know God's the only one that can do anger perfectly? He knows all the issues in the life of that other person, right down to what kind of hair day they had. Do you know what I'm saying? Because he counts the hairs on her head. Anyway, so I just thought that was worth throwing in there. But God knows. He's the only one that can do anger perfectly. And so you and I don't know everything what that other person is going through or what they grew up with. But how many know we can not keep our own hearts clean? We can't make sure our own words... And actions are clean. And then third, we leave room for God to do his work. We leave space for God to do his work. Now, you say, easy to write, Paul. You know, do not take revenge. Leave... I, I, you know what came to my mind? Paul was writing to Pastor Timothy in his second letter to him. And he said, Alexander the metal worker did me a great deal of harm. So I got him back real good, right? No. Alexander the metal worker did me a great deal of harm. The Lord will repay him for what he has done. I'm going to give space. In other words, Paul is saying, I've held him accountable. I've responded, you know, in the appropriate ways to try and resolve this issue. But they didn't want to resolve it. Alexander didn't want to resolve it. So I'm going to leave the rest with the Lord. You say, well, what if something's not resolved? Someone's still angry at me, and I've taken care of it in my own heart, my my spirit's on fire, I'm saying clean words and actions, and they still, they still have this issue with me. You know what? Go back one verse in Romans from the one we were looking at. Isn't it wonderful the way Paul says this? If it is possible, as far as depends on you, live at peace with everyone. We studied this verse when it came to forgiveness. It works the same with anger. Listen, if it is possible, how many know it's not always possible to resolve an issue? You don't go to deal with an issue. Go to resolve it. But when you try to resolve it, maybe the other person doesn't want to resolve it. It's not always possible. But as far as depends on you, you keep your own spirit on fire. You make sure your words and actions are clean. Amen? You can do that. You can do that. No one else can do that for you. Leave space for God to work. You And some will say, yeah, but Pastor Keith, that means that they're going to get away with messing up people's lives and corrupting them and spilling out their anger or lashing out in anger. No, 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 no. How many understand that every one of us are going to have to stand before the Lord, the righteous judge someday? He says, we'll be accountable for every action, every word. Now, I need to say this. How many are thankful that Jesus Christ took all that would otherwise judge us in that moment? He took that and he died for it. He's paid the price already on the cross. Amen? Amen. So we have his forgiveness. We're not going to be judged for things that Jesus has already been judged for on the cross. But these are people who say, God... I don't care what you say. I blaspheme, you know, the Goliath thing coming out and just that bitterness and that anger. And and, and they're given opportunity, but they don't turn from that. They don't turn to God. I got home from work one day in Ottawa, home from the church office, and uh, Esther said, oh, so-and-so phoned me today. And she said, I'm getting married. Now normally it's congratulations and tell me more about it, but this was a senior citizen in our church. She was already married for over 50 years, but she was struggling with dementia, and so was her husband, former university professor at Carleton University in Ottawa. The brilliant people, but the, the dementia, and so she said to Esther, she said, I'm getting married, and Esther said, you're already married. She said, I know, but I'm getting a divorce. My lawyer is taking care of everything. Esther talked a little further and told me a story of a lawyer that was arranging the divorce so that obviously, it became obvious, so he could get access to their bank accounts and their house and their funds. I I don't know quite how he thought he was going to get away with it, but I can tell you this. He made me so angry. How dare you do this to someone in my church family who is vulnerable? A senior with dementia, how dare you do that? Oh boy, I was, I felt self-righteous. I felt like I, you know, you, I got you now, dude, and you ain't coming out. I mean, I just, you are coming down. Then I realized, I was making it all about me. (laughs) I realized my responsibility as a pastor, as a professional, as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus. And I remember slowing it down, but I was so angry. I was so angry about someone doing this to someone in my church family that was so vulnerable. Just that protective shepherd just came. I read the shepherd stuff. I was using every analogy I could think of to get this guy, you know what I'm saying? I realized it was about me, and I had to slow down my anger and say, Jesus, how would you handle this? I didn't keep my notes, but I do remember, because I did think it through, I do remember I let myself away with saying this when I got a hold of him. As a human being, I don't know how another human being could take advantage of another human being like you are. I used a few adjectives. Then, you know, reprehensible, despicable, anyway. So, and then I said, but I'm a Christian. I'm a follower of Jesus. I'm a pastor of a church. So I also have a responsibility to tell you two things. Number one, I don't know if you've done this to anyone else or you're thinking about doing this to anybody else. You ain't doing it to this woman. But if you ever do, you, you just need to know the truth that every one of us are going to stand before Jesus Christ someday and give account for especially how we treated the most vulnerable in our society. And then secondly, I said... And just so you know, I've done wrong too. I've messed up, and I've sinned. And the best thing we can do when we sin is to turn to the one that God sent to forgive our sins. His name is Jesus Christ. And I expect, I wanted to pray with him on the phone. Instead, I just got silence. Just silence, just silence. Mind you, I took care of things. He never did anything to, to that family in our church. But you know, when I hung up the phone, And I thought about it. Did I keep my own spirit on fire? Did I have the contaminants boiled off? Yes. Did I respond with clean words and actions? I think I did. Check. Then I just needed to leave space for God to do his work. Amen? Now, wouldn't that be a wonderful way to do anger this year? To see contaminated anger fall like Goliath. And to let clean anger be the way that we treat people and the way we treat ourselves. We don't damage people. We don't damage ourselves. We do healthy, appropriate anger. How many are ready to pray that Jesus would help us do this? Amen? Let's pray together. So, Lord, we're all at different stages in the anger department. Some of us have learned to do anger a certain way, and it's it's, it's just been conditioned. Others of us have followed you long enough that we're, we're getting there, but we're not there yet. But, Lord, every one of us are in agreement. We are here in church today because we want to do clean anger more and more. Help us, therefore, to respond to you, Jesus. No one does anger perfectly except for you. So, Lord, we we spend these moments just letting our our spirits raise their temperature. (laughs) We worship you. Thank you for loving us, Lord. Thank you for coming to be our Savior. Thank you for never giving up on us, even when we get angry when we shouldn't. Thank you for being so patient with us and good to us. Oh, you're rich in love, and you're slow to anger. And we worship you for that, Lord. Make sure you don't miss a message by subscribing to this podcast. All creative content and production for this podcast is provided by the One Church Creative Team.